One other council member is on his way, and uh, we have a couple things that we want all the four that are here to be part of, so we'll start in a few minutes. It's a light day, luckily, uh, but we will start in a few minutes. I'm just going to do the proclamation. We're going to go ahead. Mr. Mullaney is on his way. And uh, so I will co convene the City Council meeting of October 17th and call it to order. We will have the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, we have the many muster people here. Jan and, and uh, uh, Madonna, would you two lead us in the pledge? Be an honor. Okay. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Clerk will take roll call, please. Councilmember Hansen. Present. Councilmember Mullaney. Councilmember Peabody. Mayor Pro Tem Mertens. Present. Mayor Roach. Here. Uh, Madam Mayor, do we need to uh, excuse Mr. Uh, Peabody? Uh, yes, I guess we do. Yes, we do. Make a motion to excuse Mr. Peabody from today's meeting. Second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Uh, Mr. Peabody is excused, and Mr. Mullaney will be here momentarily. Do we need to do something until he's here? Excuse me. I recommend that uh, out of an abundance of caution, uh, a motion would be in order. He did con call you and contact yes. you, but uh, that would be sufficient for an excused absence. All right. And uh, you never know. Make a motion to temporarily excuse or just excuse, period. Excuse. Just excuse, excuse uh, period. Council period. Member Mullaney from Second. today's session. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Uh, Three zero. Motion carries. Um, I'm going to go a little out of order. I'm going to go to proclamations and presentations at this time, and then we'll come back to approval of the final agenda. So um, today we are having uh, presentations to the many muster people for uh, their recognition in the outstanding job they do and have done for many, many years providing the mini muster uh, for the schools in our district uh, for the last, what, 22 years, uh, Jan? 20, it's 21. This coming year will be the 21. And uh, Jan Homeland and Madonna Marmon are here. Madonna is the mini muster coordinator. Jan, I'm going to ask you to come up too because you've been with it since it started, and as I understand, uh, were the you were the person who started and got it going. Yes, thanks to your granddaughters. Thanks to your granddaughters. All right, if you'd come up, please. Thank you. Please come up. You got to get up here where everyone can see you. Thanks for being here. And on display is a drawing from one of the students from Gerald Ford Elementary School who won the, you have a drawing uh, contest every year with yes, the many months. At the end of the program that day we have an art contest. Right, and Jackson Allegra won it last year and, and he is anxiously awaiting for us to show it and then let him take it home. It's been on display all year. So today I'm presenting uh, certificates of recognition from the City of Indian Wells to Desert Sands Unified School District, Gerald Ford Elementary School, the Historical Society of Palm Desert, Riverside Fire Department, Palm Desert Station number 33, and Riverside County Fire Department, Indian Wells Station number 55. Thank you all for being here, and thank you again for the great job you do for all our students in preparing them for a lifelong understanding of how to keep themselves safe and their families safe uh, if 
and when a fire happens and how to diminish the fire in the homes. So, uh, Madonna. Thank you, Mary. It's the best investment you can make. It really is. Uh, 21 years. Jan has been with it for 21 years and I with, uh, with Minimuster for 11 years now. And we've had 13, roughly 13,000 children go through this fire safety program. So we have 13,000 fire safe kids. Um, the firefighters do everything with tremendous dedication. They do their jobs, do their jobs with, uh, with so much, um, love and dedication and mini muster is above and beyond the call of duty and they put their uh, the, themselves into it just as much they they love it they love to see the kids have so much fun learning and it's um, it's really a worthwhile thing to do and we put a lot of hours into it but we love every minute so yes all third graders um third grader all the third graders in Palm Desert and then your third graders in Indian Wells and I have some um, some awards and plaques for you Mary oh, fine. Uh, all right These are, you, you can talk while I'm doing this Jan all right. <laughs> this is for the city of Indian Wells thank you so oh, much for your support wonderful and we appreciate it so much this is this is for station 55 Thanks a million. And then you have something for um, for the superintendent, right? And oh you you have it. So I will I will deliver that. I will deliver that. Okay. Perfect. Thank you thank so you. much for being here and thank you all for the job you do. It's all volunteer. hundred percent volunteer. And it's a is it all day or just the morning? The all whole day. morning. All, all day. All day they go, they start doing the mini muster first thing in the morning. They start doing the mini muster first thing in the morning. They're done about 12-ish, and then they go back and have an assembly that takes them till about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. So it's an all-day. And then they have the art stuff going. The guys love it. The kids love it. They get to get wet and play and learn a lot at the same time. So, yeah, it's great. I, I would like to say thank you um, to the city council, to the fire department, to the Desert Stand School District, and to the Historical Society of Palm Desert. This is a formal program. And that full day for fire safety, actually it's safety day, because those children learn how to protect themselves in an earthquake or a car accident or many, many other things that the firefighters teach them. So because of you helping us and making this a, a really special program, Five schools in California get to have Mini Muster Day, and that's all, five. And two years ago, the fire chief for Riverside County said to me, Jan, we haven't had a child-centered fire since Mini Muster began. And I'm so proud of that. But I'm more proud of the fact that those children, all 13,000 of them, are going to take what they know home and they're going to share it with people that they know. So we have a winning program, and it's thanks to people who support us there and make this possible. Thank you very much. Also, I almost forgot, Scott Davis is the principal of your, your school in Indian Wells. And um, 
Thank you. Thank you for your participation, Scott. And this is Gerald Ford Elementary School from the City of Indian Wells. Thank, Thank you, you for letting me hand that out, no, Ms. Mayor. Thank you very much. We appreciate everything you guys do. And uh, this is for the Historical Society. Donna, you represent them. Yes. And this one. What nice uh, recognition. This is a California Department of Forestry and Fire Prevention, Riverside County Fire Department, Palm Desert Station number 33. And they're not here, but okay. perhaps would uh, thank you. All right. And I have another one for the California Department of Forestry and Fire Prevention, Riverside County Fire Department, Indian Wells Station number 55. And I give that beautiful you. recognition to you. And here for the Desert Sands Unified School District, after 21 years of support and participation, would you please present this to them? Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you, Mary, for allowing me that privilege. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Big round of Now we'll go back to the regular agenda. Number two uh, on the agenda is approval of the final agenda. Um, I understand we need to add an item. Mayor and Council, we'd like to add an item. Uh, it would be a new general business item uh, one, if you will, uh, and it'll be the review and potential direction to staff on a uh, encroachment permit for PG&E at the Cook and 111 area. So it will become 8A what and 8A. Sorry, Southern California Edison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong district. It will become oh, well. 8A, and we will move 8, uh, A and B down one slot. Mayor and Council, in order to add an item to the agenda under the Ralph M. Brown Act, you have to actually vote to do so, and the required vote to do it would be two-thirds of the uh, elected body, the, the city council. In order to add the item, you have to make two findings. One is there's a need to take uh, immediate action. It can't wait, for example, until the next council meeting. The second finding is that the need to take action arose after the agenda was posted. Uh, in my opinion, after speaking with staff, there are sufficient facts to enable you, if you wish, to make both findings. There is a need to take immediate action because Edison has already applied for an encroachment permit. It's pending, and they need direction. They wish to undertake this work if they are allowed to undertake it uh, very, very soon. Uh, the need to take action arose after the agenda was posted, in fact, my understanding is that there was a meeting at 11 o'clock this morning between city staff and representatives of Edison concerning this matter. So this matter was not made available, at least not in a clear fashion, to the city by the time the agenda for this council meeting was posted. So in my opinion, again, there are sufficient facts to enable you now to conduct a vote by motion and second to add the item to the agenda. All right, pleasure of council. Make a motion to add the item as described by the city manager to the agenda. Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, uh, motion carries. That will be added as 8A. 
Next, approval of meeting minutes. We have uh, two of the, uh, two meetings on October 3rd, the special meeting minutes, and the October 3rd regularly scheduled meeting uh, without objection. Seeing none, we will uh, approve those by acclamation. We move on now to public comments. All persons wishing to address the City Council should fill out a pu blue public comment request form in advance and hand it to the City Clerk. At the appropriate time, please come forward to the podium and state your name for the record. Speakers are limited to three minutes. Parties are encouraged to submit their comments in writing with any attachments or exhibits they wish for the Council to review, preferably 24 hours prior to the meeting. Speakers can then use their three minutes to summarize the key points of their comments. Please note you may address the City Council on an agenda item at the time it is discussed, but only after being recognized. Under the Brown Act, the Council should not take action on or discuss matters raised during the public comment portion of the agenda, which are not listed on the agenda. Council members may refer such matters to staff for factual information or to be placed on a subsequent agenda for consideration. Notwithstanding the foregoing, council members and staff may briefly respond to statements made or questions posed during public comment as long as such responses do not constitute any deliberation of the item. Uh, First, we have Lori Weathers. Good morning. Good morning, Mayor, Council Members. My name is Lori Weathers. I'm the director of the RSVP, formerly known as the Retired Senior Volunteer Program that is in the Coachella Valley. Um, I'm also a program manager for the Riverside County Office on Aging. We have um, our community outreach program called the InfoVan out front. Um, they'll be there for another 30 minutes, have lots and lots of information for older adults and some services that are available. I'm here today to speak on the RSVP volunteer program and acknowledge that I've brought a couple of VIPs with me. One of them is Leo Sullivan. He is a California senior legislator as well as an RSVP um, volunteer at the Living Desert and an advisory council member for RSVP. Okay. I also have with us Melissa Meyer, which I believe she's well known by everyone here. She is one of our Fit After 50 instructors for the Riverside County Office on Aging. She is also an RSVP volunteer. Um, I handed over uh, some paperwork to the city clerk here to give to you um, just some simple statistics of how many volunteers you have, what sites we do have that cover Indian Wells citizens specifically, but I would like to mention that we also have other um, volunteer uh, sites. We have over 100 throughout the valley, Stroke Recovery, Eisenhower Medical Center. Um, these are located in other cities in the valley, but they will serve Indian, well, Indian Wells residences. So RSVP is kind of far-reaching. For a volunteer to become an RSVP volunteer, uh, there's one qualification, that is for them to be aged 50 or over. We take anything and everything from tutors for the schools, boys and girls clubs, uh, YMCA to um, 
the senior center, which is Jocelyn, that serves Indian Wells, I do believe. We do Meals on Wheels. We have volunteers all over the, all over the valley and love to get more volunteers in with us. We did a little bit of research for our highlights on, on your statistics according to the 2010 census and a little over 4,000 members of the, or citizens of Indian Wells are over the age of 50. And of those, uh, your city residents, we have a total of 15 residents that are actually RSVP registered. And those, those residents or a total of current volunteers serving the four um, volunteer sites are 104. We have 104 volunteers that are serving in Jocelyn, Meals on Wheels, Mountain View Villas, and Indian Wells Villas. Those two are Fit After 50 classes. They have served from January 1st, 2013 through August 31st, 2013. They served over 4,700 hours of service, which equates to approximately $116,424 in value-added services to the residents of Indian Wells. Volunteering is very important, especially in these times and days, um, to get our older adults and mature adults, experienced adults, out, keep them engaged so that they can stay independent longer and live happier lives. Our recruits in RSVP, RSVP is a national program. We are connected to Senior Corps, which means that we can reach out across the nation and being seasonal, it helps us a lot there. We also provide a secondary insurance covering our volunteers that are registered with us from their home to service, through service, and back again. Um, we offer vetting and placement of uh, volunteers as well as recruitment. Um, we would like very much to thank the City of Indian Wells who has supported RSVP in the past and we would really appreciate the continued support. And if there's anything that we can do for you, please let me know. Our office is in La Quinta. Um, office on Aging does sponsor RSVP and thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Qu Mary, yes. a, a, a question. Uh, you, you're, you are uh, an employee of the county and you administer the program. I direct that, yes, I'm a director of the program itself. You know, uh, in, in, your, in the numbers that you provided, what's interesting, uh, you talk about over 50, over 65. Mm -hmm. But the reverse of that is there's only 858 residents under the age of 50 in our city. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. What is okay. it? <laughs> okay. So, so we have a whole lot more volunteers or people out there that could volunteer yeah, if they Laurie, want they to. Could, they? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there's a discrepancy. I mean, you've got current RSVP volunteers for Indian Wells Villas, Mountain View Villas, Jocelyn Center, and Jocelyn Center Meals on Wheels at 104. Yes. But then you've got below that, out of the graph, how many Indian Wells citizens are RSVP volunteers, and you only have 15. That is correct, which means that in our volunteer sites outside of the city, the Jocelyn especially, because that's where they all really are, um, at the Jocelyn Center, that just means that there are other residents throughout the, throughout the valley from other cities that are serving at Jocelyn, that they are serving your citizens of Indian Wells. That's what that it relates to. I see. And the ones, uh, the people who volunteer at, say, the Living Desert and or uh, McCallum, they're not counted in this? Uh, they apparently are not registered with RSVP because we pull them by their, re by their residency. Okay. Thank okay. you very much. Any other questions? Thank you for being here, and, and thank, thank you, you for pointing out how important that is to the residents of our city. Thank, thank you very much.
Uh, next, we have Melissa Myers, who happens to be a citizen of Indian Wells. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Melissa Meyer. I am a resident here. I'm also a volunteer with, uh, for five years with Riverside Office on Aging and other things. I don't, I have my package here. You said we should have given it before, but I have given Doug Hansen the same package one year ago. Okay. So what I'm speaking about is something that I've spoke about last year, and I still think that we need it. I'd like to be a spokesperson, maybe an ambassador of health here in Indian Wells, because we do have a lot of seniors, and I think if we had a location, um, I'll give this package to you again. You can read my proposal, and maybe we can try to get a program here also. Well, thank you Health very much. and nutrition and fitness. So I can leave this with our city clerk. Thank you um, very much. Melissa, very much. I, I passed that packet on to our city manager at the time. You did? Yes. Is it still around? No. <laughs> well, we had an interim, so some things were on hold. Now we have uh, now we have full time. We expect great things. All right, that's all the public comments I have. So we will move on. Uh, we don't have any you, response, do we? We have a, someone in the back oh, raising up a please. Blue. Madam Clerk, here. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Frank Taylor, um, and I reside in the city of Palm Desert. Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council, um, this is a request for a study session or a new uh, business item at a future date to present a conceptual program regarding unmanned aerial systems. No funding is being requested at this time, and I've provided a copy of the request to the City Clerk uh, with contact information. For those of you that have not met me before, I retired as a captain with the Sheriff's Department last year after almost 29 years of service to the communities in the Coachella Valley. The majority of that time was spent within the valley. I'm now part of Community Safety Consulting Group, which includes several valley residents who also honorably served uh, within public safety. Our group is currently volunteering our time locally to not only help increase public safety, but also to assist governmental and public safety agencies to look at the viability of unmanned aerial systems uh, program in the Coachella Valley. Local agencies have become interested in unmanned system technology to supplement their operations and potentially reduce some costs. By taking a new approach to educate the public and governmental officials and stakeholders first. As an example, it's anticipated these systems may be able to accomplish 30% of current search and aerial operations at about 2% of the cost. This would still leave about 70% of operations conducted by conventional means, but show a significant savings in the future while helping save lives. Uh, it should be noted that the unmanned aerial system industry is estimated to grow over the next 10, 15 years to about a $100 billion industry. Several local public safety agencies have given their support to the conceptual program. We've given uh, several presentations, including one in front of the Coachella Valley Association of Governments Public Safety, and I believe uh, Mayor Potem Mertens was present on that date, uh, showing how the concept focuses upon four specific areas, search and rescue, disaster preparedness, public safety emergencies, and also the education of governmental officials, uh, the public, and other stakeholders regarding the 2015 integration of unmanned systems into the national airspace. 
If you're unaware, federal law was passed in 2012 requiring the FAA to not only authorize public agencies to immediately begin using these systems, but also to prepare a plan for September of 2015 to integrate unmanned systems commercially into the airspace. State and local officials have already begun looking at laws and ordinances to restrict this, and we feel an educational process ahead of time will be very beneficial to those making decisions in the future. Therefore, we respectfully request the opportunity to offer our presentation at a study session or by means of general business item. We believe our expertise will help governmental officials increase their understanding of unmanned aerial systems so they can weigh in not only on this concept and any future possible local ordinances, but also on the future commercial integration of unmanned systems within the Coachella Valley. And I thank you for your time. Are these uh, drones? We, we yeah. use them as unmanned aerial systems, but they're, we're, we're talking about a system that is, is 25 pounds or less, a, a small And system. how high in the air do they fly? Right now they're restricted um, by FAA rules to public safety agencies to, come, to fly less than 400 feet and only during the day. Okay, thank you. Uh, Any other? Additional, uh, have you met with Mel Windsor on this issue and has he been involved, our public I, safety director? I'm, Mel? Have you? I attended the CVAG meeting where this was presented, and Frank and I have a relationship, so we'll get together and talk. And okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one more, Andy Elcher. Andy Elchuk. Mayor, council members. This is with a little humor, but because Gail McQuarrie's not here today, <laughs> I thought I would like to congratulate you on your council attire today, including you, Mr. Mullaney, and the rest of you. Thanks. There's a drone up ahead. Go on outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we move on to public hearings. Anyone who challenges any, pub, any hearing matter in court may be limited to raising only those issues he or she or someone else raised at the public hearing described herein or in written correspondence delivered to the city council at or prior to the public hearing. First, we have um, item 6A, resolution approving the initial study mitigated negative declaration and the continue, con, um, <laughs> the use, uh, uh, conditional use permit for driveway realignment and extension at 47015 West El Dorado Drive. Warren Murillian, please. Thank you, member, uh, Mayor, members of the Commission. I'm trying to get this thing to work. Yeah, it's coming up, the pointer up here. It's easier to explain that. The presentation here. Pardon. Got it? Okay. Let's get it here. And laser. Okay, I think we're ready. I really like this slide. It kind of shows you the perspective of the mountainside and the uh, community surrounding the, the project site. The project includes, or the project located on West El Dorado Drive at the borders of both the Vintage Country Club and the 
El Dorado Country Club. The applicant is proposing to close off a private drive aisle, which is located in that location, and remove and relocate the gate area. Extend the driveway northwest to the existing emergency access for the Vintage Club. In doing so, they have to remove a small hilltop outcropping uh, in the uh, path of the, uh, the driveway itself. The hillside affected is shown on this slide. The arrows point to the area that will be removed or shaved as part of the project. And then the driveway, you can see in the background, that will be extended along the back side of that wall there. This just shows you the hilltop itself from a front-facing view. If you're standing on the driveway itself, looking up at the hill, you can see what the hillside looks like today, for those who haven't been out there. The blue flags in this slide show the limits of the project itself. So everything on the right side of the slide from those blue flags will be shaved off as part of the project. And this is looking east, or in the east face looking west-northwest. On the west side face, the blue flags show you the limits of work on this side, and everything on the left side of the screen will be removed as part of the project itself. When it's all said and done, the, the site plan will look like this. Over in this location is the existing drive aisle where it comes out. So the extension would include this area here, and then it would tie in with the existing gate system that goes out into West El Dorado Drive there with a new gate for the private residents there. There is a condition of approval that requires this corner to be smoothed out a little more or a little softer to allow fire access in that location. There'll be some planting materials along the hillside and in front. They're also proposing a, a uh, shrub row to block the headlights both on the driveway and on the roadway itself so they don't conflict with each other. And then there'll be some retaining walls added on both sides of the driveway itself to, to uh, make the project possible. As part of the project, we had the applicant provide photo simulations because we weren't really sure how it would look and we wanted to make sure when we came before the council, you would know exactly what the project's gonna look in terms of uh, the appearance. So we have one uh, going northwest and one coming southeast on the, uh, on the project site. This is the existing project looking, let me get that out of the way, looking northwest currently, and then this is what it would look like once the project is complete. The hillside gets shaved off a bit, and then there would be a shrub row added to the, uh, to the inside of the drywall. On the other side, looking the other way, this is the existing location, and then this is the new project shave of the hill, and then again the shrub row this is the existing fire access road. Further east, there's a hill that's already been modified. This is the actual hill. So when staff looked at the project, we kind of wanted to make sure that it would uh, be visibly appealing. The appearance would not be odd. So we went down there, looked at it with the applicant, and as you can see, this is a hill that top that's been shaved already. That's one picture and that's another. What they essentially do is they first go up there and scale the hill. They go up there and pull the big loose boulders or looser boulders, and then they get in there and they fracture the rock, take the hard rock out, jackhammer it out, and then they actually stain the, 
the hillside to give it that look that looks um, similar to the rest of the hillside there. Interesting project or concept in getting into it. As part of the project, a environmental was done, mitigated neg deck was uh, approved or is recommended for approval with some mitigation. The applicants agrees to all the mitigation in the uh, MND. Uh, also as part of the project, the applicants working with Coachella Valley Conservation Commission to make sure that they get a consistency determination by them and they will, they have agreed to comply with all of their, the mitigation that they, uh, that they impose. So with that, staffs reviewed the project, um, went out there, took a look at the existing site, looked at the site that's already been modified or the hillside's been modified. We're confident that uh, if it's done right, the applicant will uh, uh, have a successful project. It'll look great, so we're recommending approval of the project. And then we do have the applicant's representatives here to help me answer the detailed questions you may have. And that concludes my presentation. All right. Questions? I just have one or two questions. The report and the written report we received and what you've just told us, the Coachella Valley Conservation Commission has been apprised of this project and is currently in the process of issuing terms and conditions because I don't think they've been issued yet. Is that correct? They haven't. From my understanding, we've given them the, uh, the information and they're reviewing the project right now. So any approval that we might give to the CUP would be conditioned on the applicant receiving those terms and conditions from CVCC? Correct. They would have to, those would apply. And we would be notified of those prior to the, or you would be notified of those prior to the Correct. We're asking that we get that uh, determination in our hand before they get the grading permit. Okay. Because I went out yesterday and looked at the project, and uh, the, the, you know, that's a major effort to take yeah. shave that hillside and so forth. Right. So. Mayor Putin, I want to uh, be clear, though, that we want to get make sure we get the measures. There may be some measures that take long t that take a long time to implement. We're asking that we get them. They agree to them and then we'll issue the, the grading permit and they'll work towards implementing them as part of the project. So they may uh, go into place later on down the road, but we're confident that we'll uh, get those identified up front. Thank you. Mr. Hansen. Thank you. So I, I, the, 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 if the, the emotion today is to go forward, and thank you, uh, Mayor Pro Tem, for bringing that up because of the question about would be subject to the conservation it's listed as one of the subjects that would have to be yet part of the motion. But are they going to do any blasting over there at all? No blasting. But the bottom line is, I mean, this project has been discussed for the last four years or so. Longer than that. Why, why does he want to do this? Uh, I, I know because he can. I mean, this, that's the big why do you want to do it, Mr. Washington? Because I can. Uh, I, I get that. But what is the reason? Because he, he still has access coming off of uh, his property, comes around, and he can go into the vintage through that gate. But I, I don't get why he wants to spend all of that money to create that road. Because the house that he's... The, his house now is 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 that considered part of the vintage, as opposed to El Dorado? His house is actually in El Dorado, and right, his house is in El Dorado. Mm -hmm. His house is in El Dorado, right? It's part of the El Dorado development, right? Mm -hmm. So so he it won't be considered part of the vintage even after he puts this roadway in, will it? No. 
it'll still be part of the Eldorado development, but yet he gets access to the vintage without having to go through the, the emergency gate. Correct. Up to a certain point, you're absolutely correct. And when we, were, when we started the process, we asked the same thing. The main reason is that he has an access point right there. It's caused issues in terms of visibility. It's very hard to see out of there. We've talked to the applicant about it, been out there, like I said, to look at it. It is hard to see out there, out of that location. So essentially moving it over and getting more of a 90 degree helps out. That's one of the main reasons that he's, he's doing it there. And then you're right, it does allow access into the vintage well, over in this location. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, it gets him access in. It, will, he, will he use then primarily the vintage gate to go in and out of his uh, home rather than the Eldorado gate? Um, no, I think he'll still use the same one. Let me try to get a He'll plan. still use the Eldorado gate? Yes, let me show you. I, uh, I brought well, that, 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 uh, that emergency gate there, it'll continue to be an emergency gate, right? That, I mean, it's, you're not planning to make that an access between the vintage and Eldorado, are you? Correct. The way it works right now is there's a gate in this location that he used now at his existing drive. He's going to remove that, and the drive goes along and it gets relocated there. The gate that was there here for the fire access for the vintage, if you're coming out of the, the vintage club and you're driving along this driveway, this doesn't work very well, there we go. This way, there's a gate in this location. That gate is moved up to here. So he cannot just simply go to and from without stopping at a gate. Okay, I get, I, I get it. So he, he will then, he'll come off of his driveway, turn right, to get on Eldorado Drive to go out the Eldorado entrance on the fairway. Is that correct? That's my understanding. Correct. Is that your, however, he owns that property where all of those lots are. That's, that's Washington's property. And he's planning to develop that now. Correct. So he will have, that, he will have access to that emergency gate by a remote control device, I would assume. Is that correct? Well, he would have access to the gate. How that applies, I'd have to ask if he can just simply open the gate or not to get further through. I'm not sure if he can get through that gate. I should have asked that question. I haven't. I apologize. But he can get access to the gate. How that operates going through, I am not sure if he just gets a remote and can go through or he stops right there. Because he, from my understanding, he plans on selling these off to right. and, and have it developed. So he would have no need, in my opinion, to go through there unless well, he the, wants the that. Well, prop the property on the south side, across from the developable lots, uh, where the rocks are, who owns that property? I'll have to ask the applicant when he comes up. I don't know. It says Vintage Master Association on the bottom there. Thank you, Mary. i got to get you on. I can answer a lot of the questions. Uh, I can answer a lot of the questions for uh, the applicant, Mr. Washington. The property to in yellow to the. I'm looking at here. Excuse here. me, Mayor and Council. Yes. I recommend you formally open the public hearing if you haven't already done so in order to receive this. Uh, All right. Um, let me then ask if anyone else has a question of Warren before we open the public hearing. Seeing none, then at this point we will open the public hearing and state your name and address.
Uh, my name is Anthony Marino. I'm here. I can just answer questions Fine. on behalf of the applicant. Thank you. So the question was, who owns that? The Vintage, rock? vintage, the vintage Association vintage. owns uh, that hillside on the bottom left of the photo here. So, so is, it, is it Mr. Washington's intent to come off of his property, turn right, and continue to use the El Dorado Gate, or is it the intent to get access over to the Vintage through that emergency gate that is being relocated up by his uh, property there where the uh, developer lots The intent are. is to still use this access point through uh, El Dorado. That's his main home. This is actually going to be more of a sculpture garden with a pond eventually that will be connected. This road will continue across where this little mountain that they're talking about taking down and attached to where this driveway is now. Now the way this drive is angled to come out, it, it, there's been a couple, several near misses. It's, a, it's just dangerous coming out here. Um, well, who, so owns the who owns the lot that's in the purple? The this, this is now Mr. Washington's as well. He bought this property and this property from the Vintage Club. So they're being reparcelized now, so it'll be all part of this property, and this APN number will just continue down through here. In here. This is a separate APN number that's in the vintage. This is actually the vintage. When it turns red, this is all in the vintage. And this gate you talked about here, he will have access if he decides to leave his estate and go and needs to go to the vintage, which he's a member of as well. He would have access uh, through here. That gate. That would only be accessible through a keypad on this side. There's also a gate here. This is the emergency access gate that they talk about. This will be his primary entrance, but will also act as the emergency access gate if there well, is. You, oh, you're going to have a gate there as well? There's a gate I, here. I sort of well. understood before that you, he was going to take the gate down and relocate it up to the other no, area. The gate, well, there'll be a gate here that's always been existing here as the emergency access right. gate. It's just going to be redone and beautiful. So you're going to create, so he'll have, so that will be a, a gate, that will actually be the gate that gives him access in and out of his property in that driveway that you're going to create. Exactly. That's his main entrance will be here to the estate. Okay. All right. Warren, I have one final question of Warren. Warren, uh, in the beginning, there was a lot of objections to this project. The people across the street have, has, has all that been taken care of, and those people are now in agreement with, with this project, and there's no opposition at all? No, no, no. We did the 300 foot, and then specifically the applicant went across the street to the homeowners that are in this location because they would be the most affected and talked to them one on one about it. And from my understanding, unless they're here, my understanding, they were both notified by the city and talked to by the applicants. So there's no issue. And specifically, Mr. Stein has been satisfied as it relates to all the. The applicant met with him a number of times, not just once. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? Nothing else? Um, isn't there an, uh, another entrance on the other side to Mr. Washington's estate? I thought that was more of his main entrance, was the one that uh, goes on, that we don't see on this, that goes up. Uh, yes, there, are, there, is a, yeah. there is an entrance to the back that is uh, used mainly by his staff. Oh, okay. It's not the main entrance to the house. It's All mainly right. staff and deliveries. Okay, and, and I do remember going back quite a few years. The real issue uh, 
between the vintage and El Dorado, as I recall, is that at the juncture of the vintage uh, to El Dorado Drive, the uh, ground level is quite a bit higher. And that was part of the problem on trying to say, okay, what are we going to do and how are we going to develop this because it was higher. And over the years, I guess that's obviously gotten worked out. So um, at any rate. The, 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 at the lot that he talked about before, lot number eight, there's going to be a settlement pond in there or something for drainage. I mean, that's the reason yeah. you're putting it in there. And, and he may have lowered it. He may have lowered. I don't know. It used to be where it was quite a bit higher. Uh, what they did is on the deeds of lot eight and, and the other lots in the vintage is put height restrictions. That was Mr. Uh, Stein's. That was Mr. Right. Stein's original issue was, are they going to build these big houses at the vintage? Are going to look down yeah. at El Dorado? So yeah, they put height restrictions, I think well, of 18 or 19 feet on yeah. those, and that satisfied Mr. Stein. Most of his questions were, you know, what are you guys doing over here? Right, right. And no, they hadn't reached out. Mr. Washington hadn't reached out to the neighbors to explain it. Once he did, everything is okay. Is, is okay. Fine. Anything else? Um, are there anyone? Is there anyone else in the audience uh, that wishes to speak on this issue? Uh, seeing none, we will close the public hearing. Council, what's your wish? Well, I would move staff recommendation if. Uh, no one else has any comments. As long as that we're, we're absolutely subject, sure. Subject to, of yeah, course. Right. Uh, I believe it's a condition in here because I looked for right. that myself, I, and it is. A, I thought it was. I just wanted it's to be in there, but I just want to be sure. Mayor and Council, I, can, I think it's condition 37. Thank right. you. And hearing the discussion, perhaps I can re recommend a little bit of language just to make sure it's tight. Uh, it says, prior to the issuance of the project grading permit, the applicant shall provide proof of completion and filing of a joint project review application with the Coachella Valley Conservation Commission. There, I would add, comma, shall receive approval thereof from CVCC, comma. And then it goes on as is, and shall provide, I would insert there to the community development director. Then it complete says is a copy of the consistency determination, including all terms and conditions imposed by CVCC. I believe this addresses your concern. Okay. I, yeah, I, I would I, agree I would, with I, that. I would agree. And this is, uh, uh, the, the, uh, Mr. Washington would agree to that, no problem there. Okay. Well, and the only other thing I would have to say is that in your analysis, you do describe the uh, Santa, San, uh, Santa Rosa San Jacinto Mountain Cons uh, Conservancy, but you don't have a condition in there uh, that they need to do anything or approve. Does that go through? It shouldn't. I don't think it goes through the Conservation Commission. I think that's a separate. That's a national monument. Uh, CVCC uh, is just Coachella Valley, but the other is a federal monument. So I'm not sure whether we need, you addressed it in the analysis, but I didn't see it in the conditions. Right. Uh, the CVCC condition addresses that, that portion. And uh, come on up, you can explain it a little better. How does it uh, address that? Madam Mayor, Council people, uh, John, Chris, Terranova, um, Palm Desert. The, uh, of course, CVAG, 
and, and all of you permittees to the multi-species plan constituted and made the, the Conservation Commission. And so the Conservation Commission is the entity that manages the implementation of the multi-species plan. And to the extent that there's a nexus between the conservation area that you just identified and the project, the Conservation Commission does act on behalf of actually all of you to check the project, see if it has, if it is consistent with the goals of the conservation area. So that application was filed at, uh, at CVAG's request to go through that process. And that was done maybe a week and a half ago. And so that is actually the reason why that condition is in there. It is that nexus between the multi-species plan and the city's application that they're considering. All right, well, this has not gone through the Conservation Commission. No, it has not. I it, mean, is. it hasn't gone through the uh, Santa Rosa, San Jacinto Mountains uh, monument. Uh, it hasn't come before that board. Well, it hasn't gone. It's, I don't think there's a conflict with the National Monument, but there was a potential conflict with the conservation plan, the multi-species conservation plan. And so the application allows the resource agencies, Fish and Game and Fish and Wildlife, to look at the application and to help the commission, the Conservation Commission, make a determination of whether it's consistent with the multi-species plan. And they're in that process right now. At some point, staff will have to come to the commission. I think Mr. Mertens is on the commission on behalf of the city and will make, uh, provide a letter to the city, we're hoping, says that the project with these terms and conditions is consistent with the multi-species plan. All right, the, the I question, don't... You, you raise a question for me as a result. There's two, two different, yeah. we're, we're not talking about the multi-species plan no. here. I thought she was saying, do you need to get a separate approval from the the Santa Rosa, uh, what would naturally National be a monument. natural forest, separately separate from the CZVC, yes. uh, the commission. So, are there two? In, there's two separate entities. There are two separate entities. We do not have a nexus with the National Monument, so we don't need any kind of permission from them. No, no permits from them. No. If they're part of that area, you do. It, well, we're not encroaching into the National Monument, as we understand it. I, I, I don't know. I think this is what the mayor is asking is, is the Mountain Conservancy is a separate entity and organization. I believe the Conservation Commission, working in conjunction with the Mountain Conservancy, does work through some of these permit processes. What I would ask the maker of the motion to amend the motion, just to include a statement that uh, staff will check with CVAG and with the Mountain Conservancy to be sure that all permit requirements are met, and then if, if they have another thing to go through with the Mountain Conservancy, it has to come back to us for. That'd be fine. Yeah, okay. Okay, I would I would I would amend my motion uh, to cover uh, the, the the Mr. Merton's statement with clarification that you do not need to get approval from the Santa Rosa. What is the technical term for it? Santa the Rosa, Santa Rosa, San Jacinto Senior Mountain National, Mountain Monument. National Monument. Okay. Yep, we'll do that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that would cover it. Okay. Anything Madam else? Clerk, do you do you have that motion down? 
Does it include the uh, suggested revision to Condition 37 as well? Yes. yes. It, it was to approve the motion as amended by what the city attorney read to change condition number 37. And then Mr. Mertens re, uh, requested that Mr. Hansen amend his motion to also have staff check with CV, um, CVAG and the Mountains Conservancy to make sure that there's no approvals or that they don't have any conditions and that you the, the, I'm glad you asked because I was going to have to listen to this. On the Santa Rosa, Santa Cinto, did you state that they, there's no required, or did you ask they, staff to check? They will need to confirm okay, whether it is a, permits are required from the Santa Rosa, San Jacinto Monument, right. National. Uh, National Monument Authority. Right, got it. Okay. Got it. Uh, we all heard the motion. Is there a second to the motion? Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, motion carries. Uh, four, uh, four zero. We move on to public hearing number uh, B. Uh, it's a, a housing element update, finding that no further CEQA review is required due to the city's certification of the general plan EIR and approval of the housing element addendum and introduce ordinance bill number 2013-09 permitting transitional and supporting housing by right in very low and low density residential zones as outlined in the, by the state in support of 2008-2014 housing element update. Warren. Again, Mayor and members of the City Council, you may recall back in August, uh, the council approved, you approved a zone code amendment to facilitate the 2008-14 housing element. These are the, the next item shows that you approved residential care facilities in certain zones, single room occupancy units, farm worker housing, emergency shelters, transitional and supportive housing, and a density bonus in the affordable housing. It doesn't say it there, but up to 20 per unit required by the state. I, after that, I shipped it up to the state, said, hey, we approved it. Uh, please comment on the housing element. They commented back and said, you know what, Warren? You uh, took care of everything but one thing. Technically, you needed to approve the transitional supportive housing, not only in the two zones that the council approved, which is the medium, uh, the medium high and the medium. You also have to have it in the very low and the low to, uh, to address their concerns or their comments, legislation. So... Uh, with that, I turned around and started the process of bringing it back before you to simply change one, uh, make one change. Add very low and low density uh, allowances for transitional and supportive housing. Everything else would apply that you previously approved in August. This is simply a cleanup item required by the state. I, it did go to Planning Commission in September. They approved the project, and before I... Uh, and my presentation, I just want to let you know, great news, we, we heard back from the, the state housing, uh, HCD, they're, they're giving us a preliminary approval of the housing element. So all we have to do is bring that before you, and I plan on bringing that, I think, at the next meeting. And if you approve it, we send it up, and hopefully it will get certified and subject to this last modification. That concludes my presentation. Any questions? I, I uh, have a couple. First of all, uh, I, I would like to compliment you on, on your previous presentation 
of the Washington Project. I, I was going to do that and didn't. Uh, the illustrations and everything, the presentation you made was excellent. So congratulations on that. On this, for the very low, go back to your, for the very low and, and the low density residential zones, what properties in our city would have the zoning that would allow those two uses? Uh, what properties in terms yeah, where of are they located? Where are the properties located in our city that would allow those two uses to occur? Let me, do you mind if I get an exhibit for you and kind of show you? Yeah, Take the, a moment to get that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's important that we know. Okay, let's see if we can do, do the combo here. On this exhibit here, this is our land use slash zoning map. If you look at, thank you. If you look at the map, th this is the medium, medi low density. And right here, it's hard to see, but that's the very low, which is the basically the white. The very low is the majority of these areas here. You can see it's almost white in the city. So it's below 111, here's 111 very low, and then the medium density is just the orange, which is the Lasoy property, city-owned property there, where the senior housing facility is here. I'm sorry, I should be talking in the mic here. And then uh, here, this location here, I think might be very low. Orange, orange, and then the, the white. So it's basically single family. The Basi very low. Basically, this ordinance covers our whole city. Right, and the, the way the state does it is the easy way to explain it is they approve legislation blanketly. They don't look at individual cities to see if it's appropriate, see if it makes sense. They just say, hey, before you submit your housing element, we need you to take care of this stuff. We submit it in. You, you need to take care of it. If you haven't, you're going to take care of it before we certify your housing element. Where, where, where's the transitional supportive housing uh, allowed? It's current. We just approved it for. And the, where, where, can oh, you show me on sure. the map, though, please? The high is the, the, the dark transitional brown. and supportive housing. Right, is the dark brown here? Dark okay. brown. That's the higher zones, and then the the medium high is the dark orange. I think it's here. Well, that, that that's what's confusing me, Warren. You're, you're putting, you're saying high and, and, and medium as far as density is concerned. But how about for transitional and supportive housing? Where would that be allowed? Transitional and supportive housing. In those zones. Oh, in in the those, only in Correct. those two zones. Well, currently we have it approved. You approved in August in the right. higher zones. We have four, I'll back up a little. We have four residential zones in the city, basically. We have the two higher ones, which is the medium and medium high, and then you have the low and the very low. Uh, we approved it, council approved. 
the medium, medium high at the, in August. Okay. I sent it up to the state. The state said, right. Warren, you did it wrong. It's got to be in all residential zones. So now I'm bringing it back to add it into the two lower zones. So now it'll be in all four required by the state. So in essence, it'll be throughout the city. Throughout the city throughout if they the want city. to. Whether it ever happens or... That was the answer that I was looking for. Well, thank you. I think I said Got that it. a little while ago. You did. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Any additional questions of, Mr. <coughs> of uh, Warren? All right. Seeing none, uh, we will open the public hearing. Is there anyone who wishes to speak to this item? Seeing no one, we will close the public hearing. And council, what is your what are your wishes? Move to approve. Is there a second? Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Thank you very much. We move on to the consent calendar. Um, you eliminated the words on this one. Um, all items on the consent calendar are uh, taken as one um, item, unless somebody on the council, I'm trying to remember because I've read it so many times, uh, wishes to pull an item and or someone from the audience wishes to pull an item. Does anyone in council wish to pull an item from the consent? Yes, Madam Mayor, 7A. 7A. Anyone else? Does anyone from the audience wish to pull an item? All right, then we, I would request a motion to pass 7B and C, please. Move to uh, approve 7A, 7B and C. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, 7A, what would you like to discuss, Mr. Hansen? I, I, the, 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 um, I would like for the uh, city clerk to uh, give us uh, a, a process by which this fire access maintenance district election schedule uh, and process is handled. In 2006, the city council uh, passed a resolution, uh, number 2006-13, that set the rules and procedures for the FAMD that included one of the issues that was in there was how they uh, elected their uh, board of directors and uh, the section 2.2 covers the selection of the directors and 2.5 covers terms vacancies failure to fill recalls and stuff like that it takes care of more other other things it talks about uh, what the powers of the FAMD board are and and other things but this the specific section is really 2.2 and that is basically the calendar that I have given you. Um, it states, you know, on or before November 10th of the calendar year immediately preceding the year of the term, that term expires, the board shall. And there's a lot of shells and musts and stuff like that. So I've taken that and basically boiled it down to six or seven points. These are the time periods that I have to meet that I, for the services that I provide for the FEMD board. Um. You know, the, the, the FN, FAMD uh, election process has, had, has in the past been somewhat controversial as to uh, the notification to the residents inside the Indian Wells Country Club on that process. I would urge and encourage uh, you or the city to publicize this process 
as much as you possibly can to give everyone inside the gates an opportunity, if they so choose, to be a candidate for the FAMD board. Uh, what I have found in, in talking with people, even inside uh, the gates of Indian Wells Country Club, they don't realize the process that is required, nor do they even know, in some cases, that they can serve on the FAMD board. It's an anomaly, if you will, the FAMD, because, as I understand it, it's the only one that exists in the state of California today. Uh, and it was the FAMD, this was the first one. The second one that was established was later uh, extinguished. So we have a unique animal here uh, that is very confusing. And so to the extent that we can educate our residents about the FAMD and the election process that is required and the responsibilities, I think our citizens will be better informed a lot more may want to join the FAMD board. They may want to run uh, for one of the vacant seats on the FAMD board. So I would encourage Mr. City Manager uh, that we put out as much information about that process as we possibly can. I, I do want to make the council aware that this is by district. So there are only three of the six districts up this year. It's three are up, then two years later the other three are up. Every, so I do not want to send a letter to the whole Indian Wells Country Club saying there's an election because half of the people, if not more, that will be responding will be not eligible to run. So you have to live within the district. And that's exactly why you would educate them on their district, who can, who can, and, and the process that you got, you got to go through. These people are uninformed, and they need to be. Uh, they need to know what district they live in, uh, how they can then apply for uh, the candidacy in their district. So the three, it's, it's, there's the, the three districts that are up every time there's an election. Right. Every whoever is up, every property gets a letter, and it's a, nom it's a first they get a letter from me saying that there's an election for your district. They get the information about the FAMD, about how you become, you qualify to become a director and, and how you nominate basically yourself. So all of that is given to them in the first letter, and we, whoever wants to nominate just con contacts me. Then the second letter that goes out is actually the balloting. I, I do know that the FAMD board has been sending e-blasts, at least in the last election, I don't know about prior, to, they try to tailor it to, to those districts, but they can't always. Um, so I talked to their property manager this year when they had their board meeting, if they would do a blanket email to all residents informing everybody in the Indian Wells Country Club that there's an election happening, but that it's only happening in these three districts. Please watch your mailbox, see if you get one, go volunteer, become a member. It's so much fun, yay. <laughs> so, because they do have trouble. They actually do have trouble getting people to serve on the board. That's why we need yeah. to better inform our, our residents yep. and let them know so that uh, possibly, who knows, uh, Mr. Elchuk may even want to run for an office over there this year. 
So I, I will double check and, ch and ask the FEMD property manager uh, to see if they can get out the word more. If you want us to do something specifically that the city can do to assist. I've heard what Mr. Hansen said, and I, I agree that we have some responsibility by that resolution to, to monitor and, and conduct the election and so forth. I'd rather see, though, the onus for putting the people on notice on the FAMD board, but what I would like to do is, as the clerk has indicated, uh, through their property manager, have them respond back to the city, to the city manager, indicating what steps they've taken to educate their people to ensure them there's a process going on and so forth. I, 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 the, I, I'm not so concerned about how it's done, as long as it is done. I mean, you, if, if our city manager is going to then oversee or the city clerk oversee the process through the FAMD, that's fine. If the city wants to put an article in the newsletter informing the people, that's fine. Whatever it is, as long as we can just educate the people, that, that's all I'm looking for. Sounds like we have uh, discussed that, and I would say the city clerk uh, does quite an admirable job of mailing out the letters to the district people, explaining what it is, uh, calling for nominations, uh, and then sending out the ballots. So um, it's all delineated, and, and she will take care of making sure it's as clear as it can be. That satisfies you. That satisfies me. All right. Can we um, have that, a motion to approve 7A? I move to approve item uh, 7A. Second. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. We move on to general business. Uh, general business A, our emergency item we put forth on Edison encroachment permit and our uh, Public Works Director, uh, Ken, will do this for us. Thank you, ma'am. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, the item for you this afternoon is a discussion of an encroachment permit requested by Southern California Edison to replace an electrical vault located on Cook Street and Highway 111. Um, it's located on the map on the board, or I'm not sure if your displays have it. Um, and to give you a perspective of the size of the vault, it's essentially the size of a single car garage. It's uh, 8 feet wide, 9 feet 4 inches tall, and 18 feet long. Um, so where do we stand now? Staff has denied the request for the encroachment permit on, uh, to Edison due to prolonged impacts of the to the village shopping center from Highway 111 project, and particularly the length of time that we've been working on that project. It started in July, of 20, uh, July 22nd of this year and should be substantially complete by October 25th of this year. By way of background, Southern California Edison was issued an encroachment permit on May 24th and expired on May 30th. However, they have an internal policy not to have power outages, which this project would have um, during the summer months. So uh, that is some background that you needed. Um, Edison was also coordinating with the Highway 111 project, and I have no detail in as how um, things turned out with that project. So let me move on. Edison's concern, uh, by way of meeting this morning at 11 a.m., the condition of the existing vault um, were if the power in the area were to go out, and I'm um, going to trial and error this. Oh, thank you. This picture doesn't show the entire in, um, area that the vault controls electrically. It encompasses the um, shopping center, 
portions of the residential area to the southwest and portions of the residential area to the northwest. So that's the area that this vault, the circuit in this vault controls. And if it were to go out, Edison's concern that um, the repair would be extensive because the vault as it is now, although it's stable, it still is, it's structurally stable, but the configuration has timbers inside to support it. So it's at a point that it's structurally unstable, but it's not in ultimate um, risk of failing. Uh, it, it is secured, but because of these supports internally to the vault, it's difficult for their workers to get in and change the circuits. So that, that would extend the amount of time to repair any power outages that could happen in this, uh, resulting from this vault failure. Failure meaning electrical failure. Um, the project is budgeted for this fiscal year. Edison's fiscal year runs with the calendar year, so their fiscal year for 13 ends December 31st. And there is no contingency at this time to rebudget this uh, for next fiscal year. Um, so, what are the impacts? If the vault is not replaced, uh, there's a potential for um, extended time to repair a power outage in this area, and that will affect the shopping center and surrounding residents, as I mentioned. There is an impact to traffic on southbound Cook Street because the traffic control would be up beyond the amount of time it would take to, if we were to schedule the repair before it fails, it fails electrically. Um, again, there's an unknown rescheduling because the budget is not set for this repair for next year, it's set for this calendar year or this fiscal year. And there's a slight but real potential for the vault collapse. I mean, it's very slight, but it, there, it is a potential that you need to consider. So if we go the other route, if the vault is replaced, what are the impacts? There's an additional construction impact to Village One businesses. Uh, the proposed traffic control construction. This is a mock-up of the traffic control. This is Highway 111 uh, on your screen goes up and down. Cook Street goes from north to south, right to left. Uh, there would need to be a traffic control lane closure for this one lane, so there'll be one southbound lane one receiving lane on the southbound side of the intersection. This area, the curb adjacent lane and shoulder would be closed for the construction work and the red circle represents the location of the vault within this traffic control. Uh, what's not shown on the picture is when the Highway 111 project is completed, there will actually be a dual left turn from westbound 111 to southbound Cook and we'll need to close one of those um, turn lanes as well. So if the vault is replaced, there will be additional impacts to the Village One and businesses, <coughs> traffic control and construction. Uh, the time limits as set by their request is Oct Sunday, October 20th to Monday, October 28th. And that includes uh, setting up the traffic control that you see here, including the left-hand turn pocket, um, getting in, opening up the street, transferring the circuits to a temporary um, condition, destruction of the vault, construction of a new vault, uh, reconfiguring the circuits in the new vault, repair of the roadway and repair of the curb. Um, that's the extent of their project. And again, that would extend from October 20th to October 28th. This is a 24 hour per day construction cycle. So it's not eight hours a day. They will have crews working 24 hours a day. Uh, I talked to them about impacts, including noise, jackhammering and the most noise will happen during the day, but there may be some light impacts, uh, um, illumination impacts. 
there will be lighting needed to change the circuits over, which will happen at night. And this construction will include two power outages um, in, on two different days. I, as I understand it, and Edison's here to uh, make comments as well, but as I understand it, it'll be on Tuesday and then again on Thursday um, from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And notices have been sent out to businesses. Some businesses have already prepared by renting generators. Um, and then the work, oh, I already did the uh, street closure. So why are we here today? Staff is looking for council consideration for the impact of additional construction to the shopping center versus the impact of a potential potential power outage uh, on the center and the surrounding areas. So staff has two recommendations that the council would like to consider and uh, direct staff. Recommendation one is do not allow the work. Condition number two is allow the work with conditions. Uh, the driveway to the shopping center remain open and um, the work completed by Monday, October 28th, as stated in their encroachment permit, encroachment permit request. And I want to asterisk the driveway open. There will be a need to have a dump truck parked in this area of the construction site to remove the uh, diggings from the excavation of the vault. So there will be a man, uh, personnel at this driveway 24 hours a day to ensure two things. One, that uh, there's temporary traffic control in the event a truck needs to get here to um, get to the site and then leave the site to dump, as well as ensure that all vehicles associated with this construction park on the street. Uh, what also, as I, since I mentioned this, there'll also be some traffic control between this driveway and the driveway to the south for construction vehicles so they do not park in the center. That's staff's report. As I said, Edison representatives are available to answer questions. Uh, I contacted the property manager for the center uh, and left a message for her. I did not get a call back within the short period of time. So to, uh, on her defense, it was a short period of time. And uh, I did speak with Mr. Baker, who owns the candle shop, and mentioned to him what was going on. And he was going to make an attempt to be here today to make comments on, the, on his behalf anyway. Uh, this ends staff's report, and I'm available to answer any questions. All right. Uh, we do have uh, uh, someone who makes, wants to make a comment on this. So are there any questions just of Ken that you need questioned before we hear the public comment? I, I just want Go ahead. clarification to yes. be absolutely sure in my mind I understand. I, mean, I think I know what you said. We're being asked to kind of roll the dice. Basically, we're saying if we if we deny the encroachment permit now, there is no funding. Or SCE suggests there's no funding in their budget for next year, and that if this goes if this vault fails for whatever the reason, if this vault fails, then the power outage, rather than being two days, could well be a much longer period for those areas that you said would be affected. Those are the facts as presented to me by Edison. Yes, sir. And I just want to be sure, Mr. Hanson had asked a question earlier, and I, you've been out, have you looked, do we have any way for our city personnel to assess the viability of this vault? I've seen photos of the vault. I have not been in the vault itself. So the only valid verification I can offer to the city council as your staff is that there are significant there's significant timber within the vault to help shore it up. And, and there were significant size uh, and number of, of timbers within this concrete vault. Mr. Mullane. Uh, Ken, could you go back to your first picture? 
Okay, now, if I'm reading this correctly, where you have your red circle, is that right next to... Uh, it's right behind Eureka Burger. Right? Okay. Highway 111, Eureka Burger, the vault's right here. Okay. Uh, the other question that I have, I've recently seen one of these major vaults pulled off and taken out at Country Club, uh, fairly close to Eisenhower. And uh, it, it wasn't really an operation that when they yanked the old one, what they did, much like what they do in front of the house, is they bring in a new one. And it's precast, it's pre-built, and it exists. When you gave the dates, I think either I misheard uh, that this would take if, if we approved. Did you say from the 20th to the 28th? The, yes, sir, the 22nd. I, uh, yes, sir, 28th, the 20th, Monday, the tw Sunday, October 20th to Monday, October 28th. That includes uh, excavation, Everything. connection, reconstruction, and then reconstruction of the roadway. Okay, now, uh, when they prep to take out, the, out that vault, do they bring in temporary electricity to the elements that are... are Yes, sir. What, what happens? If you're saying, do they bring in temporary power for the businesses that are affected by the power? Yes. The answer is no. The the businesses actually, as I understand from my discussions with Edison, have provided generators to those who feel the businesses who feel they need temporary power have provided generators themselves. So you get a, a store like a Ralph's. Yes, sir. With the heavy refrigeration and everything going on down there, uh, how do they cope? As I understand it, Ralph's has ordered uh, a generator for the two to accommodate power for the two power outages. I, I think I'm going in the direction where I think our Mayor Pro Tem was going, is uh, we'd be rolling a huge set of dice to postpone this. Yes, sir. Because if, if one of these things goes spontaneously, and uh, it's not like the little ones in front of the house, and, and I compliment Edison. We had one go out uh, adjacent to me, and I was affected. And in less than three hours, they had the cranes and everything out, and they had the unit put back in. And, and I guess they get indications from the smaller units when they see oil leakage or something of that nature. Uh, and I'm getting nodding in the heads. It's really making me feel good up here, no matter how I'm dressed. But uh, uh, I, I personally, you know, unless... Let's wait for the discussion yeah, until after. But, but I, I just want to conclude my remarks by saying uh, uh, it, it, it's a very important function. All right. Uh, we'll go to Jennifer Cusack from SCE. Good afternoon, oh. Mayor Roche and... Council members, I wanted to thank you first of all for hearing this item today. Um, Southern California Edison's priority, of course, is maintaining reliable service to our customers and doing it safely. And that's what this project seeks to do. Um, we do appreciate the impacts to the businesses. I've personally been out there to speak with the majority of them, and I will also follow up to do so during the project and before. 
Um, and if you have any concerns, you're welcome to call me. You all have my cell phone, as does your staff. And if you have any questions, I'm here to answer them for you. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I am I'm just extremely happy that Mr. Peabody's not here today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, we all are. <laughs> because, because he he probably would have gone ballistic by now mm -hmm. uh, at the thought that there would be some additional disturbance uh, in that area uh, that might affect his business as well as other business or his wife's business as well as other business in the area. But the, 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 uh, during that period between the 20th and the 28th of October, that's when it is, right? 2020. The seven, we would begin at 7 p.m. on the 20th. Yeah. Okay. That, 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 uh, the, the highway 111 cook street project will continue to be impacted at that point. Uh, so probably this, the additional impact of this is going to be minimal to the overall congestion that's going to be occurring as a result of the widening project. Is that correct? In a large way, it is correct. Uh, the idea of this, the benefit of having this project where it is, paving will happen tonight and tomorrow night for 111. So for the most part, when Edison comes in to do their work, if the council approves it, uh, it will be off of 111. So Highway 111 traffic should flow relatively normally. The only impacts will be the left turn pocket, the second left turn pocket, and southbound Cook Street. Yeah, and and do we have to uh, block traffic on the north side of Highway 111 at Cook? If you're referring to this traffic control yeah, that, plan, do you have to do that? The answer is on yes. The north side. The reason we need to block traffic over here is there's no transition. If we don't block traffic on this lane, then people will be merging from two through lanes to one through lane through the intersection. So the congestion you see ahead of a traffic control um, array will happen in the intersection, and that is uh, worst case. So it would be better to have it happen uh, on the... I'm with you, uh, and, and we've got the, and we'll have that new right turn lane. Will, will that new right turn lane be in effect? Uh, on those dates? Yes, sir. As you see the traffic control, this will allow people dedicated uh, southbound Cook to westbound 111. This will be functioning, and then they will have one through lane southbound, so and then the two lefts will be uh, functional. Well, I mean, I, I agree with Mr. Mullaney and Mr. Mertens. I mean, we're, we're sort of in a situation where we're, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. We don't have much of a choice here. But to uh, let Edison go forward and do do what they need to do uh, with this, so I uh, I would be in support of uh, going forward with it. All right. Um, what guarantee? I mean, Edison has had a permit uh, since May. Yes. And and you have, and our city have worked so hard to try and get all of the utilities to do the work they needed during the period of time that construction has been going on. And now all of a sudden, as we're ready to finish the job, they come forward and say, oh, uh, we need to do this. Wait a second. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, concerned that uh, now they come forward 
when we're finishing our project, we've told the merchants and everyone that we're finishing it, uh, they knew uh, what our, our time schedule was. How now uh, do all of a sudden they come forward and say, well, the timbers are not, may not be structurally sound. And that bothers me, their lack of, of uh, responsibility on Edison's part to uh, do this in a timely manner. Uh, so I'm concerned that we are being presented today with a suggestion that we allow them to go forward starting Sunday, okay? That's three days away. If they weren't ready to do or do the, even their inspection to say this is going to be need to be done and we need to do it while the rest of the construction's going on and whatever, uh, I don't know that we have a, any kind of guarantee, and that scares me a lot that uh, they've been basically irresponsible in getting this done under what we have put out as our project, and it's been on the boards for over a year, and they're telling us now it's structurally possibly not sound, number one. Number two, they're telling us that there's no money for next year. So it's kind of like they're throwing out a couple of threats to us that they're holding over our head uh, at, at the last minute. And when did, when did this come about? Well, the you got question, the notice this morning. Well, no. The meeting was set up for this morning. We've been actually okay. dealing with, with it for about a week or so um, heading into this meeting. And we were, we were convinced that the facts before us from a staff standpoint indicated that we should not allow it. Yeah. And then we've had the meetings, and I've met with them. And, that, and that's when they brought up the timber and the, and the no budget. Well, that was part of the encroachment permit request, was to replace the vault because of the issues. And if I can just take a moment, as I learned what was going on from July to now, my understanding is that Edison actually was trying to work with the city. I, I can't vouch for the reason that they pulled the encroachment permit in May, knowing that there's a policy not to have power outages during the summer. So I can't vouch for that. But um, in speaking with staff that was here when the Highway 111 project started, there was coordination, and Edison was trying to work with the city to get this done. This is high on their priority list to uh, be done. And as far as assurances go, um, well, let me address another thing that you mentioned, uh, the structural integrity of the, the box. There is a slight chance for the structural integrity to fail. The, the real issue is the electricity. If that switch goes out, it affects more people. Then it's an unscheduled repair, and then that unscheduled repair takes a lot longer than a scheduled repair. Now, the assurance that I deduced from discussions with Edison um, is that it's budgeted for this fiscal year. So they have their own motivation financially to get this done. Um, but I can't vouch for it. I mean, I have a good working relation with, relationship with Edison, but I can't. I, 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 your identification of lack of guarantee is correct. Uh huh. And what is their, what's their year end? Jan December 31st. Okay. It's a calendar year yes. that we're working on. Um, <clears throat> Okay, those are the things that really bothered me about it when it came forward, and and we've worked so hard to try and, and help our uh, residents and, and uh, the commercial areas, and, and they've been so 
terribly hit. Uh, by the way, I think I need um, to declare and let the city attorney explain why I'm, I'm able to discuss even though I live in Desert Horizons. Uh, so because uh, Desert Horizons is more than 10% of the population, I believe I can go ahead and, and, and discuss looking, and talk. Thank you, Mayor. In looking at the map, um, Desert Horizons is sort of catty corner from the location of the repair. And it may well be that the common area of Desert Horizons is within 500 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, so normally there's a presumption that uh, any owner of property or an interest in property, like your small percentage ownership in the common area of Desert Horizons, located within 500 feet, might have a material financial impact on the value of the property you have an interest in. Uh, however, there's a public generally exception under the Political Reform Act and the regulations promulgated by the Fair Political Practices Commission under the Act. And that says that uh, as long as 10% or more of, uh, well, in this case, the population of the city, uh, which is comprised by Desert Horizons, is affected similarly, then uh, there is no conflict of interest. So Desert Horizons actually, as I understand it, and as staff has explained it historically to me, Desert Horizons comprises more than 10% of the population of the city. Thus, I've given you an opinion that you do not have a conflict of interest and can participate. Thank you very much. I forgot to clarify that as we started. I have one more question, staff. All right. Um, and this, this kind of puts you on the spot, but it's from your experience, your expertise. Is the time frame suggested by Edison realistic? Can they do what they propose to do and have it done within the time frame? Uh, that's a very good question. In my discussions with them at 11 o'clock this morning, they went through the details of what needs to be done, and I believe it's realistic. Thank you. And will this, uh, as they put in a new uh, new equipment, will be will be up to date and modern and all of that as well? I mean, yes, ma'am. It actually includes um, relocation of a transformer from the vault itself to another vault that's in the um, the grass. And as I understand it, it'll make their operations more efficient. Okay, because I if those of us who were around a few years ago remember all of the problems we had with um, Edison. And we had battles for two or three years with a section of our city that got knocked out all the time and uh, until it was able to be repaired, and that was very problematic. Patrick. Do you happen, Ken, to have uh, an overview of the radius of what would be affected by this transition? I apologize, Council Member. I do not. Uh, not that I can bring up. Someone, someone like from Edison. And uh, Jennifer, I think she was going to say something earlier as well. Uh, she wanted to say something. My major concern is to see, I mean, we're talking about the shopping center area, but what kind of living areas does that cut into? Thank you. It covers the shopping center, some residential area behind the shopping center, and the four corners just the immediate four corners, so about 85 customers, but they're large customers. Well, I, I, I got a notice at my house 
about the two outages. I do too. Uh, so you're, it would appear that I, I live on Desert Park, uh, uh, you know, to, to, the, uh, to the east of that project, east of Province. So I, we, we might, whether they were giving us a warning and it's, we're not going to be impacted or whether we're going to be impacted is a different This question. is Cook Street okay. uh -huh. and Highway 111. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I'm able to speak or not. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Give Come us on. your name, please. Thanks for your time. Um, there should be about 80 customers that are going to be affected. We need your uh, name, please. Ramon Cabral. Thank you. Council members, Madam Mayor. Um, so Providence should be around this area, I believe, here, mm -hmm. right? So there is 80 total customers affected during this outage. So I don't know if this would be uh, Council Member Hanson. If you're well, I'm, I'm not sure. Could you name the streets there uh, for me? Uh, I'd be interested. Hancock, uh, Promontory, uh, None of those. Providence Way. No. no, those are all in Province. Yes. Oh, okay. So you're. So it, only Province is going to be impacted. Yes. N nothing. Nothing southeast of Province. What about the Cove? Well, no. Then. Then you, you made me happy because I thought I was going to lose all my ice cream overnight. So. Uh, Councilmember, the notice you may have gotten may not be associated with this project. City staff received notice of power outages too, and we've made accommodations for signals that are affected by this. So the notice you may have gotten uh, may not be associated with this project. And nothing. It may be a different outage that the that Edison may be scheduled. Yeah, and nothing in Desert Horizons. You don't show any homes there that are that are going to be affected. Right, the cove is there. No, cove is there. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, yeah, just to kind of give you, I mean, uh, overview of what we're going to do uh, to give you a better visual. Uh, that's the vault in question. Um, you had asked about the shoring inside. I got a couple pictures that might help help you visualize it. Um, so that's kind of what it looks like inside. Right now it's been deemed unsafe for anybody to go in it. So that's how the impact, um, if the cable does fail inside of it, that's how the outage will be extended because nobody can get in it. We'd almost have to go through the same process to be able to get somebody in it, uh, opposed to having two outages in a controlled environment. Um, even though the second outage is also from 10 to 6, it's probably going to go a lot quicker. At least that's what I'm being told because the transformer is now going to be in that other structure. Um, I'd also like to apologize on behalf of Edison because um, sometimes, you know, scheduling, I've known about this project. I did not know this permit was issued for the time frame that it was. I've been working with Granite out there. We've moved vents. Um, I've got three crews out there working right now. So I completely understand how you guys, you know, have been impacted, you know, your residents, your customers, your businesses, you know. So um, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what else to say, but I can tell you that at least in the work that we've been doing, we should be in, in and out of there in a week. In and out of there. And, and the two outages will be from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m.? Yes, ma'am. That's what they're scheduled for. On which, which night? Tuesday night and Thursday night. Tuesday night and Thursday night. Yes. And we've been working up in San Bernardino because usually we don't do any work here in the, in the, in the summer months because it's so hot. You don't want to take the customers out. Um, for the big, the big projects, I mean, sometimes we do have small projects, you know, where you affect one or two houses, but we've been doing them in San Bernardino. They've been coming in on Sunday. 
work 24 hours and they're out of there usually by Saturday. The reason I've asked for Monday is because there's additional curb and gutter that we're going to remove and replace and paving. So, all right, is there any? You, you uh, as a result of your statement there, curb and gutter, you know, I hope that you, when you resurface the street there, that uh, can, that that when they put put back the asphalt for that, that it's looks all consistent because that's going to be a beautiful intersection. We would not want to have be left with a depression at that point. Yes, sir. Staff will be out there to monitor the so that's road gonna, We need to we need to make sure that that, that is uh, at the asphalt from from where the brick start. Right back to the entrance there is uh, consistent. Yes, Sometimes sir. there is a depression after they go in and do a project like that. We uh, need to be careful that we don't get one. Yes, on sir. In our discussions at 11 o'clock, we talked about backfill and compaction, and uh, we talked about using a two-sack slurry, which we will get compaction, and the slurry will go into any voids that uh, a regular compaction operation may not get to. So I feel comfortable with our ability to put a nice pavement back. Thanks. All right. Mr. Lee. Yeah, one last question. Uh, these uh, vaults are all prefabbed, aren't they? In other words, you, you don't come out here with a couple of bags of cement and, and you know, these come in all finished. They crane them in. They crane them out. Yes, sir. The process they, of getting them in and out is real quick. Yes, and the job that you're talking about was probably two weeks ago on Country Club in Choya, I believe. Was a, yeah. That was involved in that project as well. That job, actually, we didn't even work 24 hours. So it actually, this project is a little bit bigger, but the vault comes made, like you said. It'll come in a crane. We'll set the bottom, set the top, and then tie in all the duct. And then at that time, they'll bring in the new cable, tie it in. Um, it's, like you said, they come precast from the company. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Anything else anyone wants to add? Oh, thank you very much. May I just address the permit sure. issue? Um, so we met with city staff in May and explained the need for the project and our concern about the, the road widening and Highway 111 wanting to coordinate with the city. And at the time, I know you had some interim staff, and we really, we really have been conscientious about trying to, to um, work with the staff. And I think that initial permit issuance time was meant just for us to schedule the job because we get a permit, and we need a permit in order for us to internally schedule it. And then oftentimes we'll get an amendment for the actual time frame once we learn of it. But I think just in, in time, we, um, we're hoping that now we'll still complete before the end of your job, which was our intent all along, and so that you'll still meet your November 1st time frame. And actually with the opening again of your driveway on 111, it will be in perfect time as we start doing this work. So at least there'll be access over there open back up. And, and now that everybody's kind of used to it, hopefully in time the memories will fade and we'll all be in a better situation. And I will be out there personally to um, speak with the businesses again. Thank you. Okay. Thank uh, you. Jennifer, before you run away, I don't want to belabor this, but something you just said, I, I've got to be sure, again, we're clear, I'm clear. You said you have the permit. You get your, your process is you get the permit and then you schedule out sometime in advance the work. Well, here you're asking for a permit today. Will this work begin Sunday, or is somebody going to turn around it's already tomorrow? Scheduled. It's already it's scheduled. It's scheduled. Crews are scheduled. Okay. Um, notices have gone out, and we didn't just apply for this today, but we were denied of it yesterday, and that's why this has come up. We did not anticipate an issue with the, with the scheduling. We thought we were in line with the city. I apologize. I'm the, I've been out here for about three years. I'm the civil inspector out here. And 
I just want to say that the city of Indian Wells has always been great to work with. Lauren, Fondy Baker, and now Ken, it's always been a pleasure and a good experience to come here and, and, and do our work. So this is, um, even you guys taking the time to let us come in and speak, I mean, this, is, this has been a really good experience. Um, and I will promise you, I will be out there myself. Like I said, I, I overlook the civil. David Johnson overlooks the electrical. I will make sure that I'm there. Well, you know, if they love us that much, maybe they could reduce our uh, 2B project up there and we could. <laughs> no, he, he's a politician. He, he decided a little bit of buttering up at the end. <laughs> Thank no, he's you. a good guy. Thank you all for being here. Thank all you right. for your time. Council, uh, what do you want to do on this? I'll make a motion that we move forward with the project. Is there a second? I will second it, but I'll second it with an apology to the merchants and to the residents that are going to be affected by this in advance. I think I'd rather have you mad at me now for having two control outages and this little bit further disruption than to be out for several days if something should fail in this vault in the future. So I'll second the motion. All right. We, I think we all uh, ditto what the Mayor Pro Tem just said. All right, it's been moved and seconded that we allow uh, Edison the encroachment permit to go forward uh, on their project from October 20th through the 28th. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Well, we all... Uh, Animist. Yeah. <laughs> go to work. Go to work. Get it done. <laughs> Get it done right. Minus time. Thank you guys for coming in. Thank very, you. Very nice of you. All right, we move on to General Business 8A. Uh, a requisition for Keith Hall's pool service for fiscal year 2013-14. A requisition for water feature maintenance services. Ken, again. Yes, ma'am, I apologize. I had everything in order, then I got all mixed up. Okay. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, good afternoon. The item before you is approval of the requisition for Keith Hall pool services in the amount of $31,500 for the maintenance of the city's five fountains. And we brought in pictures of, of a sample of them. Uh, the only one's missing is the, another, another one on Indian Wells Lane. Mon monthly compensation for this, for normal maintenance, is approximately $1,800 a month. Uh, this allows, and the contract allows for two annual cleanings of the smaller fountains and um, a biannual cleaning of the large fountains. So in the matrix in the staff report, uh, that's what those additional costs are for uh, deep cleaning for the small fountains annually and a deep cleaning for the two larger fountains biannually. Um, the contract is administratively reviewed for cost and performance annually and staff recommends approval of this item and I'm available to answer any questions. Anyone? Is this a bid? No, sir. This is a continuation. The, uh, cost, the contract was approved in 2010, and it was an ongoing contract, and this is a requisition for this coming year. That's, I, I understand that, that it's a requisition, but why aren't we going out to bid for this work? Uh, we, it's been awarded for an ongoing position. If it's a council's desire, we can certainly do that. Well, and, I mean... I don't know where you are, Ken, but, but let me tell you, I, I, from a personal perspective, I think we should bid everything that we, and especially when you're looking at a $31,000 project, 
uh, and given the number of uh, pool cleaning companies there are in the Coachella Valley, uh, I don't know that I'm getting the best price for the work that they're doing um, in, in, with, with these projects. I mean, obviously, we have to have it done, uh, and this company may be the best company out there, but yes, unless we get competitive bids in the public uh, sector, then we never know whether we're getting the best price or not. Yes, sir. Staff does check price and contract performance annually, and we can bring that to City Council. I do understand that Keith Hall Pool Service uh, did take over the contract for a previously different pool service that didn't quite uphold their contract, and Keith Hall actually has been performing pretty well. They've been doing a great job repairing what was not serviced before and keeping up the fountains to date. But um, if it's a council's desire to uh, go out to bid, what I would recommend is that we go for multi-year contracts with the annual review and then uh, periodically see what the costs are through a bid. Mr. Mullaney. Ken, uh, maybe you might know this historically. Do you have an idea when Keith Hull started working for the city of Indian Wells? In my research, it was 2010 was the last contract that was given to them. So I'm not answering your question because I don't know if that was the first contract. So this isn't the pool company that did the transition when we changed the facing and remodeled both of those pool areas? I don't believe I can correctly answer that. Not correctly. Um, I don't know the facts to the okay, answer your you've, question. You've said enough to fill me in on it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, and what about the uh, fountain on the other side of Indian Wells Lane between the Miramonte and Indian Wells Resort Hotel? Yes, ma'am, that's going to be included. As indicated in the caption, Indian Wells Lane, there's two fountains. So this fountain and the mirror fountain. No, that's well, not the except, one she's asking. Okay, uh, except there are two fountains on that side. So reading this, I was very confused and saying, okay, who, who uh, maintains... We have three fountains on that corner. Yes, ma'am. As, as I understand, it's two like this and then this one? Oh, oh this no, one's in front of City Hall. Those are oh, all. Oh, you're there. right. There's one in right. front of Miramonte. Right, we're missing so one. Your number here is wrong. That's there. Who, who does it? Who cleans the Miramonte pool or water feature? That's, I'm sure the city built it. I'm, I don't know the answer to that, but I can certainly do the research. The city for it. Public Works Department built that, uh, probably 10. Well, I'm not sure how many years ago, uh, but uh, we need to know who cleans that one because I assume that was city uh, city property. Yes, ma'am. I, I will do the research and get back okay. to the council. Well, well yes. The, the 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 one that you have there going into uh, Indian Wells Lane, or that one. Yes, sir. And and the one opposite, you know, the second. Who who does those? Does we do. That is city maintained. The city is now doing it. Yes, sir. No, 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 Pat. I, I think Keith, you could. Keith Hall. Keith, Keith, this contractor, that's what this proposal Keith is. To, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, Keith Hall does it as a contract with the city. So the city finances the cost of maintenance for that. Foundation. Okay. The reason, the reason to clear up, because you look puzzled, uh, because I did make you look puzzled, but the reason I'm asking the questions is, that when we did the transition from the old facing and we did a complete workout of both both of these pools and, and made a directional change instead of tearing one out, we kept both of them. 
The company that was working then was highly regarded and, and was very much responsible for changing out all of the plumbing inside of that. So my concern was uh, that if you were trying to protect that person, uh, then I could understand why. Uh, but I, I don't understand Keith Holtz. And yeah, that would have been like two, 2007. Right. And uh, the pumps actually went out, and we had no choice but to, yeah. to uh, do the pumps and uh, yeah. get it running. And at the same time, yeah, we refaced and did whatever. Uh, I, I, I think it was 2007. Seven. Um, because we dedicated the, the IW Club. Um, 2008, in, right? In 2008. And so, it went out before that? Yes. It was done by the time we, uh, we dedicated it. Well, I know that they were going to go in there and rebuild both of those, but because of Patrick, he saved the city $5 million because he opposed the reconstruction of those. He and, and Larry Spice. Are I going to take you for a drink now or what? Well, I just wanted everyone to understand. I agree with you. It was, uh, I hate uh, to tell you who but that, that. But that doesn't, I mean, I'd like to get back to my point. I, I, I mean, I, this may be the best company in the Valley. I'm not arguing that. This may be the best price that we could ever get. But we don't know that unless we go out to competitive bid. And I just think the city needs to go out to competitive bid on these kinds of things. Can we... Uh, Mayor, Mayor and Council, if I could, we did discuss this um, very issue on the bids. Uh, and as, uh, as the Public Works Director was indicating, if we were going to go out to bid again, and we will with this project, and if you want us to go out this time, we will. Uh, but we would end up recommending a multi-year bid. And when we looked at this one, this is in year three, so we would expect next year that we would bid it. Okay. There's a whole bunch of us new guys, and we're trying to get some of these projects just to keep going. And then Mr. We City Manager, if that's the case, then I would acquiesce and say, okay, let's extend as, as we have in the third year, and then with the anticipation that we're going to go out to bid next year, on it, and we do a multi-year contract, a three-year contract, if that's the case, uh, with uh, with uh, a you know a pool company. Yes. Uh, but but at least bid it so we can get the best, so that everyone knows that we're getting the best price possible. Yes, sir. All right. Um, and with that, if you're looking for a motion, Madam Mayor, then then I would move staff's recommendation that we. Uh, extend the contract for one year uh, on the basis that uh, that the city will go out to bid next year uh, for a uh, contract, a multi-year contract. And I'll second it. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously, or 4-0. Uh, item 8B, uh, uh, it's on Toscana to release improvement bonds and deposits for tracks number 29663-7 and 29663-8. Ken again. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, the item before you this afternoon is uh, a release of bond, reduc bond reduction for improvements to housing track 29663-7 and 8. Uh, in the amount shown on your staff report, as well as relinquishment of a survey monument bond for both of those same tracks. In 2007, in, on February 7, 2013, the City Council approved these track maps. The uh, track maps constructed a total of 38 residential lots, um, 15 in-7 and 23 in-8. 
All improvements have been constructed to the satisfaction of the city staff and staff recommends approval of these bond reductions and one relinquishment. That ends my report and I'm available to answer any questions. All right, does anyone have any questions? I, quick one. Uh, Ken, I, I, you're the new kid on the block and all that, I understand that, but has there been any discussion uh, with Toscana about uh, the build out of that north uh, west corner there uh, and, and the, the additional holes in the golf course? There have been no discussions to my knowledge. I haven't why don't you, why don't you ask about it? Sure. Find that, just to get a timeline sure. uh, as to when they plan to build out the golf course and uh, begin developing that area. They're doing a great job. We love them. Uh, and I, uh, but I, I think, you know, if we could get a little more information on it, come back, report to us, would be good. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anything else? All right. Uh, I need a motion then. I'll move staff's recommendation. Second. Is there a second? Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Uh, motion carries 4 0. Uh, next, city manager's report. Mayor and Council, uh, we have two updates by those most knowledgeable uh, about uh, one, our historic um, uh, housing uh, acts from uh, Morin. There were some questions about just where we were with historical districts and the Mills acts. Mayor, again, members of the Council. After uh, the question came up, staff did a little research, and um, I did find out that we do currently have a historic cultural resource preservation ordinance adopted in 05. So that allows a structure, a site, a thing to be designated if you go through the certain requirements to do so. In this document, however, there's an advantage because it allows you to do a Mills Act. So this already gives us the allowance to do a Mills Act, so we have everything we need. We just need the structure to be designated first, and then after that, they can fill out the paperwork and go through the Mills Act for the tax relief this process. Mary? Yeah, well, I'm confused. Um, I don't believe the way that's written that we as a city have adopted the Mills Act, and we must do so. They cannot individually do so. The city must adopt the Mills Act in order for our residents to apply for that. The designation. That's the, my understanding as well. Correct. They'll go through the process of getting designated either through the city or it's got to be in California designated, nationally designated. Then they can fill out an application through the city. The city works with them to go through the process. And at the very end of the day, if, the, if the, it's done through the planning commission level, that's the way the ordinance is written, then we would file with the county and they would have that opportunity. We've checked with council and they've confirmed that we have the mechanism already to go through the Mills Act But shouldn't process. we as a council adopt the Mills Act so that it circumvents and makes it easier because I understand that they can't uh, take advantage of the Mills Act under our existing ordinance. It was our understanding uh, you you can adopt the act but it's already been adopted by the state. The county assessor uh, and our city attorney's office said that we have adequate documents in place that as they file the application and come through your approval ready, we're ready to go. That, that, that's, that has not been what we've been told in the past no, because isn't. we have the Kavanaugh House on Cook Street uh, where uh, they, they wanted to get uh, funding and get a federal designation mm -hmm. uh, for that house. And uh, we, were, we were told at the time that they could not do that because the city had not adopted the Mills Act 
to allow them to go forward with that designation and apply for the funding that they wanted to get. Now, going through the process, we may find that there's some things we need to brush up. But at this point, we've gone over it with the assessor's office and the attorney. We believe the documents are in place to move forward. Is there any reason for us not to adopt it on our own to make it clearer? Because that might clear everything up as far as us to just go ahead and do whether it's an addendum to that ordinance or however that we as a city officially adopt it. We'd have to look and see if there are any impacts by you adopting it yourself. It's not in our list of goals. It would be something we'd put in in exchange for something else. We'd reduce one of the goals in that area and add this one in. So we haven't planned to study that, but we'd want to make sure there weren't any unintended consequences and what the impact of that was. So what we tried to do was research what you actually had to see if it would work. And the Mills Act, the issue there is receiving the tax advantage. And the assessor says our paperwork is appropriate for them to move forward, and they're the ones in charge of that. Well, then we need to get that message to the Preservation Foundation. I believe there's a meeting this coming Monday that we had intended to share this information with the mayor and with the historical staff. Possibly we need the legal description from our city attorney so that they have something that gives the background and why it's usable. During my absence the past week, my partner in our Indian Wells office provided the legal advice to the city that's been described. If necessary, we can go back and memorialize, if it hasn't already been done by memorandum for the benefit of the council, what the conclusion was. I think it was left that if a memorandum is required, we would be contacted. Correct. And Robert Hardgraves in his office was drafting it. I was going to bring it Monday for Monday's meeting, and then we can definitely share it with the rest of the council. I'll put it together either during the CM report or some sort of attachment to a... If we don't have to do any additional work on it, then why do the work? I mean, if we've got everything we need, all we need to do is inform all the parties involved that they can go forward and apply for the tax incentives as well as any other funding. Can you read the clause, the one clause in there that says it's possible for us to use the Mills Act? Sure. And I want to make it real clear that we have to get the property designated first, and then you can apply for the Mills Act. So it's two separate actions. First, we would designate it as a local historic preservation structure thing. Here's what it says in the section of the ordinance that was adopted. Mills Act's contracts granting property tax relief shall be made available by the City of Indian Wells only to owners of locally designated cultural resources or contributing resources, as well as properties that are listed in the California Register and National Register. Properties that have been previously listed on the above-named registers that have been removed and are no longer listed on the eligible Mills Act with the city, you can't get a Mills Act, can't apply for the Mills Act. And then it just goes on to say again, Mills Act's 
shall be made available pursuant to the California law. So there's a certain thing that we put together. We've actually have one drafted for use here and then it's submitted to the planning department for review and action. It All goes right. through. That's fine. Process. Thank you for uh, taking it as far as you have and have that ready for the Monday meeting. That'd be great. And I will, and I'll double check again with Robert, Bob Hargraves and make sure, Hey, look, there's a question that came up again. I'm just going to be absolutely sure because of that. Okay. And get his memo. I will bring that. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. And anything else? Yes, I'm sorry. Um, Ken was going to do one last update before Highway 111 is completed. I know that you want to hear about it before it's done, and uh, we're going to catch up on it. Okay. Um, the project, as the project has, uh, it slipped a little because of the grinding cut through some traffic signal loops on at Providence or Province and Highway 111, so that delayed the paving that was supposed to happen last night. So they will be paving tonight and tomorrow night. And then um, in the meantime, well, they'll continue installing irrigate. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, the irrigation is complete. Uh, the palm trees on, I believe it's the north south side is completed. Their installation is complete. So the palm tree installation along that roadway will be complete on the sides tomorrow. Um, then next week you'll see sod going down and the rest of the uh, landscaping going down. So they should be substantially complete, meaning everything except punch list items should be complete next week. Um, and then the last item is the medians, the concrete medians in front of uh, the village, as well as the larger median to the west. Uh, staff will start working on those tomorrow, and we should be completed before, I'm sorry, today's Thursday. They'll start on it Monday and should be completed by Wednesday or Thursday of next week. So you should really start seeing some big changes uh, towards the completion of the project by next week. Wonderful. Thank the uh, couple of things, first of all, uh, how is the project down at the east end on Highway 111 uh, going? Uh, Looks good. It's looking, it's looking good. When do you think uh, that will be complete? That is, uh, the east end is mostly landscaping on the sides and then paving in the middle. Yes. So the paving will be completed. I don't know the sequence of paving. Uh, my expectation... No, I'm, I'm Kim. The project down at the east end uh, where, where you I'm sorry you're there, right I was on the west end down there by the it, uh, that project that project ran into a little bit of a delay between a conflict with a CVWD pipe uh, the trees are being relocated staff is going to be focusing on the medians first and then they'll jump back to the it, we call the whole 17 because it's just outside the fence okay. of whole 17 right. uh, and then we'll be back on that after next week and it should take um, probably a week to complete so that's moving quite along quite well and we appreciate the uh, cooperation of uh, CVWD. They've been pretty cooperative regarding that pipe conflict. And those, um, the palm trees that you put in in front of the village look great. Oh, they that's, do, don't that's they? A, a Even Patrick likes them. Uh, it's, it's a, he, he made a comment the other day uh, about how great the palm trees looked in front do. of the village. It looked good. Yeah. Also, uh, when we're talking about Highway 111, one, one of the things that and not immediate, but sometime in the future that we need to take a look. There is an area uh, in front of uh, Wall Street West and uh, the entrance to Ruth Chris there. Uh, and, and part of the, that area is in the city of Palm Desert. Uh, it is a wide median that doesn't have any uh, concrete, there's no vegetation or anything. They just paint, and I think Palm Desert just painted a bunch of stripes across. The other day I was up there and what's happening 
is that people are coming out of, um, of the uh, Ruth Christ entrance there and making an illegal left turn uh, on Highway 111 coming eastbound. And uh, in my opinion, it's a very hazardous situation. And at some point, we might want to think about putting in a median strip there to prevent uh, that illegal left turn coming out of that entrance. That's Just Palm Desert, you. though, so that uh, is problematic because we don't have control over that. Maybe, yeah, I know. Maybe they could work. We could work with Palm Desert to come up with uh, some solution to that. All right. Good point. Anything else? No. Okay. Now we move on to council member reports and comments. Council member Hansen. None. You don't want to tell them about your great golf game the other day? Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah, get the picture. You know, let me, let me just <laughs> briefly say that um, the, the city uh, belongs to the California League of Cities, and um, we, uh, we uh, participated in a golf tournament at, at Beaumont. Uh, the mayor and myself, uh, along with a couple members of the, uh, of the resort, uh, it, uh, it, it, and we pay, the city did not pay for it. Clear city did not pay for it. We individually paid the cost of the entrance fee. Uh, let me tell everyone, you don't want to bet with the mayor on the golf course. Uh, she is a fantastic golfer. No, the city uh, came in uh, first place in the tournament. So the city of Indian Wells was well represented and, and uh, recognized uh, as uh, four great golfers, uh, or at least three great golfers and uh, one slouch who had his photo taken that has since been burned. <laughs> I laughed really hard. <laughs> yeah, the mayor couldn't stand. But anyway, when they showed it she, on the she, is, she is an awesome golfer. Wow. Thank you, thank you. I played well that day. Uh, Mr. Mullaney. Yes, I have one or two things. I attended the CVAG Energy, and uh, I had the opportunity to discuss this a little bit with our city manager. And One of the topics that came up at CVAG Energy uh, was the trail that they're you know, looking at down here in the Coachella Valley. And uh, they've already had in the bank $53 million towards the building of this project, well, uh, they came up with the news the other day that they got additional funding. This thing seems to be like a gold pot that they're willing to throw everything into it. And uh, I think the additional funding brought it up to 72 or $73 million that are now in the bank. And uh, there was an expression of where this project is going and there are an awful lot of people who are very, very serious about this project. And it's probably time for Indian Wells to uh, uh, start at least looking out at the wash from a different angle and, and start coming up with it, some sort of a responsible answer. Because we were one of the cities that was cited as not so much being a problem, because we're not that yet, but Rancho Mirage was uh, because there are golf courses that are going to be impacted by this trail as it comes, uh, whether it goes west or east. So this thing looks like, no matter whether you want it or not, 
if you're 85 and have a golf cart, you're going to be able to take it from Palm Springs to Indio soon. So uh, uh, there are some people who think this is the nuttiest idea that's ever come down the pike, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So anyhow, that, that's one thing. The other good news uh, is that uh, we had a community activities committee meeting, and uh, we went over to the IW for a tasting. It was one of my first tastings. And the, the residents, are not, they're crazy if they miss this opening party. I mean, the food that they have designated for that opening party is beyond belief. One item alone is like in a silver cup, and it's got the finest cut of beef with beautiful glazed uh, sauce on it, gravy, and vegetables like it's a stew. And that's only one item on this whole selection. And it's about the size of a, a regular cup, and just having that alone would be a meal. So, you know, any of the residents that are listening to me on television, whatever, uh, this party is going to be a hell of a good one, and the food is going to be outstanding. So, What's uh, the date, Patrick? Oh, God, why would you ask that? November 5th. November 5th. Is it a Tuesday night? We usually do it on Tuesday. Tuesday, no. And Nancy, Nancy can't uh, get enough praise because uh, she's brought this committee together, and it's an exciting group of people. A lot of them are very much self-starters and, you know, belong to different organizations themselves. And so with Nancy, it's kind of like reining in horses, but... Uh, the committee is, <laughs> is working out pretty that. well. Uh, but uh, Nancy's put together a great, and the chefs put together a great menu, and uh, the residents should be very excited about it. That's all I have. Okay, thank you. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Mertens. Um, I'll just simply say that the meeting season is in full swing, and we're attending a number of meetings. Um, we have had a couple of meetings at Tennis Stadium. Ad Hoc Committee has had a couple of meetings. And I will simply report to you that uh, in the not too distant future, I think that you're going to be hearing some pretty exciting news. Thank Wonderful. You. Thank you. Um, I kind of ditto what uh, uh, Mayor Pro Tem said. You know, you're attending the meetings. There's nothing uh, particularly that I need to bring forward, though. Next, city attorney reports. Thank you, Mayor and Council Members. At the conclusion of this open session, I recommend you recess to a closed session to consider item 12A on the posted agenda. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, there's no further business, so at this point we will adjourn uh, after the... Yes. Can I ask a sure. technical question? Sure. Have I been credited uh, for being here? Thank you. Apologies for being late. Um, after the closed session, we'll uh, adjourn to a special meeting of the City Council to be held on 10 a.m. on November 7th in the City Hall uh, Council Chambers and thereafter to a regularly scheduled afternoon session of the City Council to be held at 1.30 on November 7th in the City Hall Council Chambers. Thank you all. Very good. <laughs>